Life Audio. There's a tension that believers always find themselves in, and it's something we call the already, not yet. While we already know that Jesus has had the victory in our lives and that salvation is found in him and that we are going to go to heaven and we can have the presence of Jesus in our lives today, there's so much about the Christian life that has not yet happened, and it's not going to happen this side of heaven. And so there is this tension that we walk in where we recognize we are already born again. We are already sanctified and justified, but it's a process that we have to walk out that's not going to be finished until we get to heaven. So it's that tension of the already not yet that is kind of how we're going to read today's psalm because it's referring to something very similar. I pray that this episode blesses you. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, and today we are walking through Psalm 137. If you're just joining us, we're going through the Psalms one at a time, really to just have a better understanding of what they say, the content, the context, even the history, the culture, some of the things that we may not understand because we're pretty far removed from that culture. And one of the things I say all the time is while all of scripture was written for us, it was not originally written to us. It was written to an ancient people group that had a certain understanding of the things that were around them, the things that were going on within their culture that sometimes are lost on us. And so I find a lot of value in that in understanding all of that. And I hope you do too. A couple resources to help you if you want to dig a little bit deeper. In the show notes for today, you will find the journaling prompt. And I think journaling is a really good way to help you get the information from your head into your heart. Once a week on Mondays, I send out a newsletter. You can go to shehears.org to sign up for that newsletter. And in the newsletter, I send you all five of the journaling prompts for that previous week. If you would like the journaling prompts for previous episodes, you can go to the resources section, shehears.org slash resources, and you can look for the guided Psalms journals. Again, just additional resources to help you grow in your faith. I'm going to be starting in verse one, and today I'm reading from the NIV. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of Zion, Lord, while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. 
Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. The context of this passage is pretty interesting because it's not what we typically see in the Psalms. Usually we see a more general reference because they use these Psalms historically. I mean, they were pretty vague and they use them again and again and they applied them to lots of different situations. However, when it talks about being by the rivers of Babylon in verse one and talks about the captors in verse three, there's these specific references that hint at this particular historical occasion for Israel. And we understand that this psalm is not typical. It's a little bit more specific and we can really look to specific events that they're talking about. Um, And there's only been a handful. If you've been going through the Psalms with us, there's only been a handful of those Psalms that you can actually pinpoint that. So it's pretty interesting. So the event that they're talking about in this Psalm is really the aftermath of the Babylonian exile that happened in the sixth century. And the Babylonian captives, which were the Israelites, most of them that at least the ones they're talking about in this situation were the Levitical musicians, essentially the worship pastors for Israel. And they're kind of bemoaning and it's a like a lament, basically talking about their separation, being away from the temple. And so Psalm 137 serves as this corporate lament that they have experienced together and they are pouring their hearts out to the Lord and talking about essentially complaining about their situation. Now, in verses 1 through 3, they're talking about the rivers of Babylon. So the main rivers in that region are the Euphrates and the Tigris. And there's other small tributaries that run through the land, which at this point in time would be southern Iraq. Babylon is pretty far from Zion. And remember, Zion is the mountain in Jerusalem, and that's where the temple was at. And so the temple is what we know through the scriptures and through Israel's lens is the temple is God's dwelling place on earth. And it represents his presence among his people. These people that we're talking about that are complaining in the psalm, the the Levitical musicians, remember the, the priests of Levi were the ones that were responsible for running the temple. They're very far away from where they would normally worship. And so what they did is they literally took their instruments, their harps, and they hung them up on a tree. Those are the instruments that they had used to worship God. And I want to just pause that, pause there for a second. These are, of course, exiled Israelites, and they were temple musicians. And because they were far away from where the temple was, they literally hung their instruments up on a tree and were not worshiping God. If I think about that in my own life, there have been times where I felt separated from God or maybe my own church family or just feeling disconnected with the body of Christ. And I think it is a a very natural human experience to have this temptation to, to metaphorically hang our harps up. And I think right now it's a little bit different for us than what the Israelites experienced. We have the benefit of having the Holy Spirit with us now. And so I think the encouragement there is to recognize that no matter how far away you feel, 
the Holy Spirit isn't out there somewhere. He's inside of us. And if you're feeling like hanging your harp up, I would encourage you to intentionally, even right now, turn this podcast off and go spend some time in worship. Because worship for us is not tied to a location. The Holy Spirit is in us. And even if you don't feel it, he's there. Just that's a sidebar. Uh, but then, but essentially that's what's happening with, with these musicians. They have literally hung their instruments up on the tree. And so it's kind of adding insult to injury because then the people that are holding them in captivity are demanding of them that they are to sing one of their songs of Zion, one of their worship songs. And so, you know, essentially Zion is a place where God has made his presence known. That's where the songs that were, they sung were, that were worshiping God and they were praising him. They were praising the situation in the temple. They were praising the Mount of Zion and Obviously, the people that were holding them in captivity had no interest in praising God. Their intention was really to mock them as prisoners. It was part of the the prison tactic was this mocking. I think that's really interesting and something that we might lose sight of if we're not paying attention to what this even means. Um, But I think that's important because that helps us understand the heart space that these musicians were in when they were experiencing this. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll keep going with this psalm. Stay tuned. So now we're going to go on to the next phrase that I want to point out in verses four through six, where he says, if I forget Jerusalem. So the speakers are responding with this rhetorical question that is an indication of how they are not able to sing for their captors. They are essentially finding it impossible to celebrate Zion and worship when they are these captives in a foreign land. And so they will not sing, but they're also determined not to forget Jerusalem. And so they're taking on almost like a curse on themselves where they're saying, may my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth making, obviously making it so they can't sing if they were to forget Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is the city where Zion is located. That's their home. And that was their role. And so not only will they not forget Jerusalem, they understand Jerusalem to be the source of their highest joy, because that's God's dwelling place. Moving on to verses seven through nine, they're going to remember Jerusalem and call on God to remember Edom. So at the time of the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem, Edom was located south of Moab in the region to the southeast of the Dead Sea. And they had been taken advantage of this situation. So it doesn't precisely describe what exactly happened. But the point here is there's a reference to this in lots of other texts. Uh, I think Lamentations has it. Ezekiel has it. Obadiah has it. And there's this reference to Edom as part of the downfall and the leading into captivity. So the Edomites are also essentially enemies of the Israelites at this point. And then it closed and it talks about something that's kind of hard to hear. It's talking about violently killing their infants. And if you think about what happens in any kind of captivity situation, 
I mean, this is essentially war and there's a lot of ugliness to war. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. We're seeing them lamenting, complaining, talking about this whole scenario. And it's talking about this corporate suffering that Judah, you know, the Israelites, the Hebrews have suffered because God allowed Babylon to defeat Israel, to defeat Judah. I refer to Israel and Judah as the same, same a lot. Um, and you, you know, I'm talking about, there was the Northern kingdom and the Southern kingdom, but the kingdom of Judah, which was Israelites was basically what was captured by Babylon. So if I refer to that and that's confusing, I'm sorry. I think sometimes I have an assumption you guys know what I'm talking about and that's not always the case, but anyway, God allowed Babylon to defeat Judah and then all of those citizens were led into the exile, including the priests and the rabbis. And it calls on God not to let them forget Jerusalem because there's this yearning and this expectation that they're going to eventually return. We see that in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. You can read more in, in those sections, those portions of scripture. But in the meantime, they're calling on God to avenge them especially in the matter of the Edomites who took advantage of their weakened condition. And these historical references are, I think, somewhat difficult for us as modern readers to use this psalm. I mean, this is not like one of the ones that we read yesterday where you could use it as a model for prayer. This is a little bit harder for us. However, I think the one thing that we can identify with is that idea of yearning. We're yearning, just like they yearned to be back in Jerusalem, we yearn for what the Bible would call the new Jerusalem, which is essentially heaven itself. You can read about that in Revelation 21 and 22. And so we recognize as believers, and we're mindful of the fact that we're not yet home with God. And that doesn't mean that we don't have his presence here on earth. It doesn't mean that we don't have the Holy Spirit to aid us and empower us for a spirit-filled life. But there is this sense that until we get to heaven or until the new Jerusalem happens on earth, we are not at 100% communion close, closely with God because there's this physical separation between us. And so I think that's how we can look at this psalm where we can identify with perhaps some of the same things that they were going through. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I look at it that way, it makes it a lot easier to understand and to just kind of place myself in their shoes as what they were going through and how they were praying. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and reread Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. God, we recognize how hard it is to read some of these words and think through the history of Israel and what they suffered and how they were held in captivity and what they went through. And we recognize the yearning in them. We recognize these human emotions, the anger, the grief, the sorrow, the yearning. 
Lord, I think there's so many ways that we recognize that in our own lives where we yearn and long to be in your presence. Lord, I pray for the person today that may be in that space where they are yearning to be in your presence. Lord, help us not to forget the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, for the person that that maybe doesn't even recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, would you overwhelm them right now with the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives? Lord, may they feel your presence. May they recognize your hand in their lives. And while we know it's not the same thing as being in the new Jerusalem or being in heaven, we thank you for the gift that we have to be able to have this relationship with you, this side of heaven. God, I thank you for your presence and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.